This, 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 this is mythical. Welcome to Ear Biscuits. I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we're going to be answering your questions about parenting because. Or p- just parents. Kids, the relationship's going both ways. It could be things that apply to kids, things that apply to parents, because we've been both kids and parents. And we still are, Rhett, newsflash. And again, as we as we have gotten in the habit of saying when we answer your questions, uh, we're not qualified to give advice. Uh, take our advice at your own risk. Uh, we do not, we have engineering degrees which taught us nothing about child psychology. School. What about the school of hard knocks, man? We, we, we haven't even been through that, let's yeah, be real. Exactly, we just have children who are uh, relatively well adjusted. I mean, I I wouldn't say particularly well adjusted, I would say well, relatively well they're adjusted. They're well loved. They're very loved and I, and I, I would think that uh, they're at this moment. Uh, everything's okay, you know. Anything I could go we, home tonight are, and we, find out that they've yep. broken a law. We are potentially temporary success stories as parents. <laughs> so uh, all that to say, just you know, take our advice with a grain of salt. If you're coming to us to actually learn how to be a parent, you've got bigger problems. I don't think anybody's coming to us that way. I don't think you should go to anybody for for complete answers. I'm gonna step out on that limb. I think every, you know, and that's one of the things I try to teach my kids is that like, don't just be a blind follower of any one person. Hmm. You know, it's like you gotta. That's a cult. You know, you can't do that. Um, d- definitely don't do that with us, even though we're two people. We're two people, so it's okay. You can blindly follow us. Uh, you want to so, just yeah yeah so let's let's get into some questions let's uh, let's jump right into the first one. I ate a cookie. My stomach hurts a little bit. Well, you I know, may be running out. The funny thing in the is, of this. is you told me that we had some cookies. Uh, somebody gifted us some cookies. Yeah, and uh, I saw you eating the cookie, and I was like, I got to get one of them cookies. That's the only way I'm going to be able to get through this podcast. And then, um, then I don't you started recall comp- you saying that. That's what I was thinking. And then what you said was. Where'd you get that cookie? Yeah, subtext, man. And then you said, I feel a little sick because of that cookie. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm not gonna get a cookie. So here I am, cookieless. Just I'm, a man with a with a with a jar of water. This is how you expect me to make it through this? You have a cookie. Well, it's not my role to sustain you. I, I yeah, I, here I am cookieful. And I'm I'm, and complaining I'm kinda about miserable. It. I'm kinda miserable. I'm just hungry. You should be grateful. Kevin Herbin. Hey fellas, when my wife was pregnant with our first, we made a bet on the gender. Whoever Ooh. won got 10, I'm not changing that, diapers. 10 vetoes, I guessed boy and won. During the entirety of no, my- No, 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 I don't think you read that. Whoever won the got 10, I'm not changing that diaper vetoes, not diapers. You get 10 instances of not changing a diaper that's Even what, though it's wet. I understood or, that that's what he meant and that's exactly what I read. I read what he you wrote. You said diapers. Yeah, because he said whomever won. Okay, got 10, well, let's not argue about it. I'm not changing that diapers. We're supposed to resolve issues, not create them. <laughs> well, I'm not creating the issue. You, 10 vetoes. It wasn't, what you said didn't make sense. Blame Kevin, because that's how he wrote it. I guess boy and one. During the entirety of my son's time in diapers, I only used one veto. Now, we have a second son, didn't bet this time. I feel I have nine vetoes left. She says they expired when our firstborn was potty trained. Who's right? 
She's right, Kevin. You know why? Mm-hmm. Because. Because she's always right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but secondarily, why didn't you use your vetoes when you had the chance? I mean, and here's the answer, because it was the first child and you were trying to gain some brownie points and you're, I guarantee you that you've held this over your wife's head. You know, I haven't used all my vetoes. They were very brown brownie I, points. I, I've changed, every time that it's, the occasion has come along for me to change the diaper, I've done it. I'm just calling you out, Kevin. I think that you've gotten all the mileage out of not using the vetoes and, and, and in terms of brownie points. So you've used them in a different way by not using them. I'm in agreement uh, uh, with Link for a different reason, and that is the bet was about the first child. The bet expired when you had another one. I'm kinda angry at you for not just using the vetoes. I, I'm just reading into it that, again, you, you were trying to gain credit. Just reap the reward or don't. You yeah. didn't. You can learn to love changing diapers. Make a game of it. Boy. I don't know what the rules are and how you get points, but. I don't remember the last diaper I changed, but I should have bronzed the thing, you know? It's like third child, I mean, how many diapers did I go through? More than you? Unless yeah. your two kids pooped at a rate that led to more diapers. Wouldn't you like to know that? Sometimes, do you ever? I like a counter. I think about life in that way sometimes. Like it, it, an interesting Reddit thread is that data is beautiful. So I haven't Reddit, seen that one. And uh, it's one of the ones I, I don't like numbers. Is one of the ones I sub to, and basically, it's people who take different, you know, anything in life that can be dataized, which is basically anything, and could be represented as a as a data set, and then they present it in a beautiful way, like a way because because it can be very beautiful in the way like that a, you present it, like a chart, like a but a really beautiful chart. Okay, uh, and sometimes it's just amazing data that's not beautiful, but it is beautiful. Not visually, you know what I'm saying. Anyway, but it, it, I, I wish sometimes, if I could have a superpower besides flying or being invisible or teleporting, the fourth one would be um, to be able to create a data set of anything that anybody brought up. Because wouldn't that be interesting? It'd be like. Like in this instance, you would say, well, Link, with three kids, you've changed this many diapers. No, but I would wanna know specifically like how many craps Lando took versus how many craps Shepard took. And it would be like mind blowing because it would be like, hold up, Shepard took twice as many craps as Lando. What does that mean? Is he still taking more craps? And then we'd be able to snap our fingers and like, what's the average amount of crap that comes out of your youngest son versus my youngest well, son? And then we could talk about it. There weren't apps. Crap when, apps. But I bet there's a crap app now for, I mean, to, to log your BMs. But I don't wanna have to log it. I wanna be able to access it as it. a superpower. Well, you can probably get averages, but that's as close as we're gonna get. Um, I think was, we answered. What was my Ke point? I, well, I don't know, but we answered Kevin's question. He's wrong, she's right. Get with the program, Kevin. Change I wish diapers. I would've bronzed the last diaper because that was one of the, one of the big milestones in parenting is when you no longer have to buy, change, or dispose of diapers. Mm. But you know what, as with many things in life, the most important moments are glossed over and you don't even know they've happened. That's sad, man. Yeah, I don't remember it either. And I, and I did change, not, not as many or nearly as many as my wife did, but uh, I do not remember the last one. And I, let me tell you, I would've used those vetoes in the first week. 
Michelle Scott Max asks, is it okay to use the steering wheel volume controls in order to drown out the ramblings of a six-year-old girl and tell her, it isn't me, the Cara just really likes this song. Okay, so she doesn't see her mom, she does, yeah, reaching over and turning the volume up. I can't hear you. And then uh, read this next That's question, because I think it's very, it's very related. I think that we can answer these two questions together. Okay. Read this question from Deirdre. Oh, you want me to read it? Yeah, I don't want to read the whole time. Look at me over here reading everything. Okay, I'm so sorry, cookie-less man. <laughs> Making me, I don't get cookies, I gotta read everything. I'll go get you a cookie. It's tough around here. And I'll read this question while doing it. Oh. It won't, no one will hear it. Yeah. I'll be in there getting a cookie, so choose. Uh, just read the question. <laughs> I got you. Why do parents lie about weird things? Like, if you're driving at night and you turn on the lights in the vehicle, you can get arrested or swallowing gum will make your stomach clog up and you will die, or sleeping with wet hair will make you sick, or cracking your knuckles leads to arthritis. This is an interesting, I feel like these are, uh, I feel like the questions that Deirdre, or the lies that Deirdre has uh, pointed out, these are just misconceptions. Uh, misconceptions or misleading old wives tales. But I, but I think that this first question from Michelle, this. It isn't me. The car just really likes this song. This is a category. That's a. That's just a lie. Th and that is, is a what, lie. This is basically what my entire parenting philosophy has been built on for years: is lying to my children. <laughs> you you know this. Uh, I've talked about it many times. Uh, okay, it's not really my philosophy, but I love screwing around with my kids. I love basically making them think things and but F fibbing to get a reaction. Yeah, and, but you do tell them. Yeah. Well. Or do you know? Almost always, there's a few rare exceptions where I've let something slide for a long time because it was funny, but it's always inconsequential. And uh, if I ever think that there, it, it could be consequential, then I clear it up on the spot. The most recent example of this was we were riding along. Um, did you notice there uh, on, on the, the main road that kind of connects our homes uh, that they were doing the uh, the fumigation of that apartment yes. building, and so they had covered we, up the whole building with we, the striped stuff. We pulled, we were pulled up, and it was in the distance. We didn't drive past it, and Lincoln was like, "Look, it's it's the circus." Well, that's you kind of stepping all over my lie, but that's exactly. Oh. It's a way, so we we went we went. Well, it's funny because your kid told himself a lie and believed it. Well, he just saw it, it looked like a big top. Yeah, well so we, we drove by it and I told Shepard, I said, Shepard, did you, did you hear there's a new circus building? There's a new circus building in town and that's <laughs> it. And uh, he, like he looked, his eyes lit up for a second and then he looked at it and he was like, Dad, I'm not stupid. Um, but he did look at it, it yeah, was there. But see, I wanted my kid to think that a fumigated house or fumigated apartment complex was the circus coming to town. And when Lincoln said, look, it's a circus, I was just like, no, that's a. So it was a complete opposite conversation. Yeah. Lincoln deceived himself and you cleared it up. I deceived my own son and then he cleared it up himself. But. Teach a man to fish or give him a fish, right. I think is the situation but we're in here. I did this to Locke all the time and Shepard had the advantage of observing me say all this stuff. From a younger age. And, and so now they're, they're, they're just like, mom, is that true? If, if Jesse's there, it's mom, is that true? It doesn't matter what I say now. <laughs> Mom, See what is that you've true? Done? It's worth it, man. It's worth it. All the memories they're gonna have of all the th the lies that I've told them. <laughs> I mean, I do that sometimes too. I, I do get a kick out of it, but I don't have the I don't have the cutthroat instinct that you have to uh, 
pull one over on, on my kids. But I will say that I also spend quite a bit of time just telling them things that are true. Like if we like, I, I mix in some uh, things that are that yeah, are not just true. Re- really but, confuse them. But I like if we we're going on a hike or whatever, we like talk about the rocks and the history of the earth and all this stuff. I, I love doing doing that kind of thing. But I think a lot of times it can, it can be it become a little bit like dad's the school teacher and we're on a field trip, and so I try to keep that to a minimum. Yeah. Um. So Michelle, I think it's totally okay. Uh, and Deirdre, the reason we lie about weird things is because it's fun, and you got to do something to survive this parenting thing. By the way. It's a, it's, I would have loved to have seen a time lapse of them wrap that apartment. This is not a house. This thing is like five stories tall. It's like a whole apartment complex yeah. coated in a circus tent mm. for fumigation. I also love the fact that they made it's it. It's amazing. They made huge. it look so fun with all the colors yeah. and it's, there's these insects just dying inside. Well, yeah, they made yeah. that choice. I wonder why they made that choice. I think it. Because it's fun to kill insects. Well, I think they're repurposing circus tents. I you mean, think it, they've got a lot of circus tent material, and the circus isn't popular anymore. Well, I think it. I doubt that. Well, then, what's the reason? I think it's because somebody was like, Let's at one point, somebody fun. was like, "We got to wrap this whole house. We're doing kind of a. I mean, if you really think about it, it's a little bit morbid. Like, if a person's in there, they're definitely dying, and if an insect's in there, they're definitely dying. Let's spruce it up a little bit. Let's make it seem fun. I mean. People marketing. do that all it's the marketing. time. People do that all Associ- the time. It's, it's, it's putting icing on it. Or- We're talking about it right now. You want to wrap your house up, and you probably don't even have a bug problem. But you're saying that Michelle is is just—it's not a big deal that she does that. I mean, no. basically, I, I just feel for her. I don't think it's—I don't think it's the best thing to do. But like parenting, a lot of times, is just desperation and survival. Yeah, exactly. You know, you do what you got to do. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of truth, but I also like to tell a little fib here and there. Okay, turning on the lights in the vehicle. I don't. I never told my kids that could get you arrested, but I do tell them to turn it off because it it can lead to a crash. Right. It's not smart. It's so I I give them the real reason whenever possible. So I. Okay. I, I don't I don't make up the wives' tales. Now we've got a lot more questions to go, but we are going to take a short break and let you know. Ear Biscuits is supported by Audible. You know Audible, the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks and other audio products, and you can sign up as an Audible listener which gives you book credits each month for a low monthly fee. You download your choices and access them on your iPhone, Android device, Fire tablet, iPod, or other MP3 player. Podcasts are good, but sometimes you wanna sink your ears into a book. Yeah, I, you know, Audible has, I'm not making this up, has like, I think it's transformed the way that I take in information. Because yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do love podcasts, but a lot of the podcasts I listen to are just people kind of being funny or you know, shooting the breeze. But when you wanna have somebody who- Well planned out. Has like, they crafted. crafted something. Yeah. Whether that's a story, if it's if it's Not narrative. that we don't craft this podcast, of course, but. Yeah, but it's off the cuff. Um, or you, it's the things I'm usually interested in are these big, you know, nonfiction books. Yeah, I've talked about Homo Deus before. You know, the sequel to Homo Sapiens, to Sapiens, and how I absolutely love that book and that kind of information. Uh, I'm excited to begin listening to Command and Control, a very popular book, came out in 2013, which is all about nuclear weapons and like 
all the crazy close calls we've had that a lot of us didn't know about. Heard so many people recommend this book. But if I were to like buy that book and have it sitting on my bedside, what I end up doing is I pick it up and I read a couple of pages and then I fall asleep. But with Audible, when I've got an Audible book, what I do is I go to the gym, I'm reading it by listening to it. I'm listening to it on the way. I'm listening to it on the way to work and I get through so much more. It's yeah. changed a lot. And of course with WhisperSync for voice, you can switch back and forth between reading and listening to the audiobook across multiple devices. And you know what? Audible is offering you a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. All you gotta do is go to audible.com slash ear and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's pretty easy. Audible.com slash ear, E-A-R, or you can just text ear to 500-500 to get started today. Text ear to 500-500. Now on with the biscuit. All right, we're back with another question from Caitlin Cunningham. Kids do tons of art projects during their time in school. What do you do with all of them? How many of them end up in the trash? This is my rule. If it's flat, keep it. If it's 3D, chuck it. Mm. Space saver. I stack a bunch of flatness, but I take a picture of the 3D stuff. Which You make the 3D stuff flat. Interesting, without go. crushing it, without crushing the hearts of your children. Because it goes into the cloud, which we've talked about in a rabbit hole episode. But you, do you take a video of it that goes a 360 around it? Because no. if you did that, you could one day uh, re-engineer it Lando with, is very, with 3D. No, Lando is very um, artistically inclined. Mm -hmm. You know, every time there's trash, like cardboard specifically, He'll, he wants to keep all of that and, and he always sees something in it and he's making something. So I always wanna encourage that. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm very clear with him that, you know, after you make it, with 48 hours later, it's, it's, it's gone, you know? And I also think that's helpful because it's not like, oh, this, is, this has gotta be perfect or this has gotta be here forever. It's just like, you know, I'm painting on this canvas. Many of the, many of the greats would paint over their own thing three or four Many times. Many of the greats. You know, because there's always another one. And when, they didn't if even you're an artistic pictures genius, it. people gonna be and people gonna be going through recycling decades from now and finding Lando's creations. I don't think that's how recycling works, but if it's flat, I stack okay. it somewhere. That's a good system. Um, we McLaughlins are, we don't have a lot of systems. Um, so, it's kind of like some things are kept, some things are thrown away. There's a couple of times where Jesse and I kind of look at each other and get, you kind of give each other a guilty look and you just throw it in the trash. Well, there's no real <laughs> consistency. You're just hoping that the kid doesn't know. Right. Uh, but I will say, um, seal and also it, Shepherd, put it in the trash, then seal it up. Uh, and my and my kids are not. Uh, they're not prone to be be attached to things that like that. Every once in a while, Shepard, Locke wasn't like this at all, but Shepard will create something and he's kind of attached to it, but well, it, I don't deal with that very much. When but, you're constantly lied to, you tend to be a free spirit. Exactly. Now, the thing that, um, the really interesting thing that happened very recently is a science project. Uh, I don't know how Locke. That's happened in your house? I don't know how Locke got through without having to do, well, I guess it was because he was homeschooled through all this. That's probably yep. what happened. Um, and I think they did do a science project at some point. Somehow, being did, a homeschooler is in and of itself a science project. A science project. Uh, yeah, the, the the results are still out. What is what is the uh, TBD? Now, 
But so Shepard's in third grade and they had the option of doing a science project and for some reason. Or what? You didn't, I don't know, it was optional. You could, I think it was if you did the science project, you didn't have to do homework for the month or something oh. like that. Oh, you better you better jump on that, Shep. But Shepard exercised his option to do a science project. Good on him. And I, but it was a group project Ooh. with two other kids. Okay. And so he's like, Dad, I'm doing a science project. I'm like, well, what is it? He says, tornadoes. <laughs> <laughs> tornadoes. So, so it's like, okay, it's like what, what is the experiment? He said, making tornadoes. Can he do it? And uh, so, you know. Hypothesis, I can make a tornado, well, exhibit. So uh, uh, one of the other kids' dads kind of helped them. Uh, it, we all kind of had different roles, and I'll tell you what my role was in a second and where I failed as a father. But uh, one of the dads uh, was in charge of coming up with what the experiments were going to be, and it basically was one of these things, you know when you take like a, a bottle like a plastic two bottle. Two liter bottle. And we, for some reason we did one liter bottles, uh, but you can do it with two liters and you basically uh, affix them together and put like a little washer in the middle and then you fill it with liquids and you kind of start a tornado and then it creates this amazing looking tornado that then go empties itself into the other thing and you turn it over and keep doing it. Well yeah. this experiment was, um, the question that was being explored was, does adding different things to the water change the characteristics of a tornado? Okay. So uh, they added glitter. Some other dad came up with that. Yeah, they had, he did the hard part. Uh, they added glitter to the water, they added uh, oil to the water, and they added sugar to the water. Basically created a simple syrup by you know, boiling the sugar into the water, and then of course there was regular water. Now, for some reason this dad made it through three of the bottles. He created three of the bottles, and then Jesse comes home and she says, when we get back, actually the night we got back from Palm Springs, she says, when we get back from Palm Springs, you've got to do the experiments with Shepard. So you've got to time him doing all the, you've got to do the experiment and, and, and log the results. So I created a Google spreadsheet Ooh. that like averaged out like six rounds or whatever, but I also had to make the fourth bottle following the instructions that the dad had provided. And Jesse had to make this, was making the simple syrup by boiling the, the water with the sugar. Basically what happened was, is trying to make, the first time we made this bottle, this tornado machine, I didn't get it it's quite together. Now. Didn't get it quite together. And the very first time that Shepard begins to do the thing to get the tornado going, the whole thing comes apart and sugar water goes all over the kitchen. Okay, that's called a failed experiment. So, and I did not do well with that. I did oh. not respond well. And the next thing that happened was we got it back together and then as we're getting ready to seal it, Shepard's like playing around with another one, knocks it over and then sugar water goes all over the ground again. Oh gosh. And I don't, I'm not proud of, of how I yelled at that moment. Oh. Um, we finally get Was the, it like Eureka? Yeah, it was a mo yeah, exactly. And so then we finally get it together, but the sugar water is so hot that for some reason it's like it's not cooling down. And so I'm like, we're gonna have to put it in here and wait till the morning and then we'll do the experiments in the morning. But because I put hot sugar water in there and when it cooled, we wake up and like the top bottle is like compressed in, like Oh wow. So no tornadoes could be made. And so I was like, well, we gotta do this again. And Jesse was like, let's just say the results of the sugar water were inconclusive. <laughs> it's third grade, right? So I've got great stats for the oh, first wow. three bottles. Again with the line. 
You're, the McLaughlin family is. No, well, actually, we well, let's we, just fudge <laughs> the results here. No, we no, we conferred with it with the other the other dad, and I was like, I feel like we need to do this again. He was like, I ah, don't worry about it. We've got three. They're still an experiment. They've learned whatever. Who cares? They, they've learned. Learn not uh, to get certain dads involved in the tornado experiment. But I just, you know, I just wish I had more patience. I just, I it w when I get involved in those situations and I have to start contributing to it in a meaningful way, I just, and then things start falling apart. I just, I'm not good at just patiently just getting my way through that. It's really tough to work on something that's not something that you're you're personally passionate about. I'm personally passionate about water tornadoes. No, I know. I mean, once they get I going. I feel like I'm that way too. I mean, it's like, we're we're so spoiled. I, I think it, because so much of what we do is our creative vision. And to step into a, our kids' world and to parent them is a selfless act. And I mean, when you don't experience having a, like having a, a boss employer relationship that often and we really don't. I think that ironically between us and our kids we're the spoiled ones especially in that sense and I think it's yeah. It, it's harder to it, you know we we've trained ourselves to be so engaged in what it is we want to do that I feel like as a parent I'm constantly fighting this instinct of being spoiled with with my own prerogatives. While I spent I spend the majority of my and Christy and I talk about this because, you know, she she spends a lot of time with our kids and uh, a lot more than I do, and uh, I feel for. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> it's it's so tough being a great parent because I'm yeah. having a tough time just being an average one. And but it so the way that I deal with that is at least with honesty. Like I try to be honest. I you know I try to apologize. Or just be real with the with the kids. Um, I'm not answering the question anymore. And side note, before we move on to another question, do I have a zit bandaid on my face? Oh yeah, you do, but I'm sure they can't see it. I because I meant to take that off. No, don't take it off. No, 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 no. Now you're committed. Just leave it on, man. You see it right there. Yeah, but there's no way you can see that in the dim lighting, man. You shouldn't even have mentioned it. I know, but I. There was a moment, maybe you saw it, when I had the link face in the middle of your talking about the tornado. You just thinking about your own zit. I realized that I had a zit, because Anna put a, I have a zit there, and she put, she put a thing oh, on I it. Oh, I love those things. She in, and it, introduced those to me. And it's like the zit heals up underneath it. I've, I've worn them to many different, I've worn them to public events. Really? Like, yeah. Because you, you forgot that they're there. No, she puts it on, and I'm like, I gotta go do, I gotta go do this thing. Nothing like special, I'm not doing like public appearances. Okay. Um, Tiffany McGowan's got a question. Fire away, Tiffany. So I'm 26 and while I love children, I firmly know that I don't want to be a parent. Pretty much everyone in my life thinks I'm just young and I'll change my mind when I meet the right guy. My question is, did you always know you wanted to be parents or did meeting your wives actually change your minds? Also, how can I get everyone to back off on the whole having kids business? Everybody, you know, it's, Everybody doesn't need to have kids. Everybody, everybody shouldn't have kids. That that's first of all, that's an easy thing. We talked about this you know, a little it's bit. A it's 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 total prerogative. We talked about this a little bit in a uh, previous podcast. Where so you can go. I don't know which episode it was, but we had friends who were asking us. So we, if you want to hear our perspective on that, you can go listen. But I but I do think that the 
This is an interesting question because based on where we grew up uh, in kind of the culture that we were in specifically, I, I think that it never, ever crossed our minds that we would not be fathers. It was just, if you weren't a father, there was something wrong with you. You, you know, you you were supposed to do two things. You're supposed to get married. I'll say three. You're supposed to get a job. You, when you graduate from college, because you know, you started, we started to think about this stuff when we were yeah. in college. Right. You get a job. Yeah, you get a job. You, you get, get a, a job right after you graduate. You get a, a life partner. And you, you get do, married. You do that as quickly as possible, basically. Yeah. And then relatively quickly, Maybe a, maybe a few years, maybe a few years of kidlessness, but then you gotta start having children. And again, uh, neither of us have any regrets. Because what else are you gonna do? Right, we don't have any any regrets about that. Uh, but I think that, you know, having 20, have almost 20 years passing since we got married, uh, kind of looking back on it, you're like, oh, it was just, that was the cultural expectation of where we were who we were at the time, and and I and yeah, the negotiation wasn't if we're going to have kids. It was the conversations were when, when? exactly, you know, th th we we were three years into marriage when we started trying. Right, that seems really early to me, but you change so much over you know eighteen years of marriage. Anyway, it's like I mean that that does introduce the next a next phase. Yeah. If you don't have kids and then you get married, well, then it, it, that's certainly introducing kids at that point really changes the changes the dynamic for everybody, along with many other things that happen in life. But for for us, because it, it's a, I mean, it seems like such a huge decision. It really well, it is, because it, it changes your entire life. Um, the decision became easier for us because. Um, we were friends with other families who had kids. Like we would, Christy would babysit, in our first few years of marriage, she would babysit for um, other people's kids. Like they would hang out with us a little bit. So you start to see, okay, these little people here, sometimes babies, sometimes grade school kids. Um, you know, we started to see like the, Okay, look at these families. They're making it work. We we're getting to know these families. They're good friends of ours. They have not just babies, but kids in grade school, middle school, even. It's like, wow, this is something that it's really working for them. And you see it up close and personal, and but you start. You, but you never. Pro I no, mean, I, I never I, I processed think, it. I, th in I that think way. we. Did. I think we did. I, I do remember Christian and I talking about it. Um, as if you would, as if the other option was not having children. No, it was just growing comfortable with the idea. Starting to starting to try to have kids ourselves. Because even though it was a foregone conclusion we were gonna do it, it was still a very daunting decision to say, okay, we're actually going through with this. Yeah, we're actually gonna try to make a baby. And so that, I do remember that making us feel much more comfortable in like being up close and personal with like parents and kids that loved each other and that it was working. I mean, because I came from a broken home. You know, it was a, a scary thing for me because I, you know, I always felt like I didn't do it right. I, I subconsciously, yeah. I was, just, you know, it was just I had a stepdad, and then at third grade, it was just me and my mom from there on out, and it was like, well, we didn't do it right. It was okay. It was great, even 
my 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 childhood was great, but I didn't want to. I mean, it had its challenges because of that. You had more uh, trepidation. Yeah, because because I I didn't know if there was something about like some say something in my genes that I was gonna re, I was gonna repeat that well, it, cycle. Something in your genes is what causes the whole problem. <laughs> um, J E A J E A. S-N-S. Okay. It's funny because I think the, the, I'm not the, the way, jeans, the way that I've always uh, approached these kinds of things is like, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are fearful about things like, I'm afraid to drive a car, like if you might be about to get your license, or I'm afraid to fly on a plane because I've never done that before, or yeah. I'm afraid to have a child. And I think the way I've always processed those things is like, well, I'm afraid to like climb a mountain Right, because that's something that a very small percentage of the population does. I'm afraid to swim with a shark. Give somebody a trach on the spot because there's very (laughs) few people who can do that, right? Yeah. Um, But there's millions of people who've been parents. There's millions, billions of people who've been parents. And and so I kind of go into those situations that everyone, I'm just like. Statistically? It can't be, I mean, I'm not ready for this, but who is? Let's just do it. I think that's how I've approached the, and that's how I think I approached kids that way. And honestly, I kind of think that that was my experience once we had kids. It was like, this is really difficult and hard, uh, but this is exactly what everyone said it was going to be. Everyone was yeah. like, it's the greatest thing and the most difficult thing you'll ever go through. And it's like, okay, that, and you know what? Turns out that's true. And uh, so, but I think that to an- answer Tiffany's question, of, uh-huh. you know, is it okay? I mean, so we answered your question of did you not know? We never considered it. Uh, but I think that it's totally okay, if, if especially if you're like, I know I don't wanna be a parent. Well, this is not the kind of thing you should be talked into or forced into or oh. pressured into, trust me. Um, and then how do you get everyone to back off on the whole having kids business? I don't know the, I don't know the, the dynamic of, of, of where you're at, but it sounds like everyone is expecting you to do it, so. Um, you might just have to firmly just tell people stop stop talking about that. Quit well, asking me about that. I'll let you know. I'll I'll tell you when I'm pregnant. Probably never. I think a lot of people like the parents grandparents situation. They're like, oh, I want a grandkid. I want a great grandkid. They you know they think that it's an innocuous ribbing. But I think if you just have a moment of hey. I just want to. I just want to let you know for a second that it 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 does it does start to hurt, and I know you don't mean it. Maybe if you level with them, that would help. Mm-hmm. Good luck with that. Samantha asks. We end most of our answers with "Good, good luck, luck with, with that." that. <laughs> <laughs> like all, great, we're gonna move on. Like all great advice what you, givers. What are you gonna do? Good luck with that. <laughs> Dear Abby had a lot of success with ending all her responses like that. Samantha D asks, why do different siblings get different treatment? As the oldest, I felt as though my parents were very strict but were way more laid back with my other younger siblings. Was I just the guinea pig of three children? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Mm. I mean, I'm an only child. You're you're the youngest of two. Two. So I don't I don't have too much to go on from my childhood experience, but as a parent, um yeah, you just your your will to impose your will on another person it just, it just degrades over time. I mean, it's like I can't imagine being a king. 
<laughs> you know, it's like, it's just tough to try to get people to do what you want them to do. I mean, that's not, and that's the trap of parenting, right? It's like, when you when you go on autopilot, it's just, I don't wanna hear you talking now, so I'm gonna turn up the volume. You know, I, cause I'm, you're, you're surviving, right? But, but, but shifting to a, I'm trying to foster a growing, budding human being to be an independent, positive force on planet Earth that is not under my control, much less is not there for my happiness and my comfort. Well, I think this is just, this is human nature, it's true, and I, I would say it's true in almost every family, and it just makes sense, right? So if if I'm moving fragile sculptures into a home, I'm gonna be more careful with the first one because I don't know, I just don't know the dynamics of the yeah, situation, yeah. right? It's like <laughs> the first time you do something, there's all these considerations, you're learning all these lessons and you're being overprotective. And then the second sculpture you bring in, it isn't like I actually transport fragile sculptures into my home all the That's time. I don't even have a fragile sculpture in my home, but you can imagine that. Um, the second thing you do, you, you, you take a few more risks. In fact, well, you grow comfortable with a level of risk that's reasonable. Well, I, I think, and if you're you following also, that analogy. and I think you I'm also going to hold this with two hands, but I'm not going to put it in a satchel inside of my T-shirt. And then maybe on the fourth trip, you've got three sculptures. You've got one in each hand and one, four, one in each arm. You know what I'm saying? Like you're like, I, this is this is good. And, and you but know what? If make... one of these breaks, I've already got two in no, the house. But that's what I was gonna... <laughs> no, that's not true. But if no, the, but subconsciously that that is true though. I don't think it. I no, think it, I don't think you love. You don't the value third, them any less. The less the third sculpture is not any less valuable to you. But there's this there's a certain reasonable amount of effort that you don't an unreasonable amount of effort that's not worth expending based on experience. Yeah, it's just not. You learn what's worth it and what's not worth it. I I wonder if it ever goes the opposite direction. I mean, certainly if there's if there's if a tragedy befalls a family, I mean that that goes without saying, even though I just said it. But like in a normal situation of, of of health and hashtag blessing, I don't it I don't think it ever goes the other way where it's like you you, you get start, more strict. But if something if something if, if you go through something, then you're gonna you're gonna tighten the reins with with a subsequent child. Well, but but in my case, I, here's what I tell. I mean, Lillian Lincoln gets so frustrated with Lando because he's he's still at an age where he he can't express his frustration logically sometimes, so it just comes out in like tattling or or a form of tantrum. But it's also it's not he is a, just he, he is a special personality compared to your other kids. Oh in yeah, the same he, way that Shepard is very different from Lot. Oh yeah, they're all, they're not, I don't think they're it's, all different. But if it's just an age thing, no, no, I'm I'm that's not what I was getting at. Um, what I was getting at was because he's he's the youngest. I find myself saying to Lillian Lincoln, uh, "Yes, I I think Lando is wrong here. Lando needs to have more self control. Lando, the right thing to do in this instance is something different. But what he's doing is annoying the crap out of you and me. But there's only so much I can do. Yes, he's in his room right now and he's screaming and throwing a tantrum, but." What I'm asking for you is, even though you may have been more in the right, you're also older and you've got to do something to yeah. make peace. I, I make this argument all the time. You gotta, you've, you, with more age comes more responsibility. 
and just let's just hold this together. Let's plug the let's plug the gaps in this in this ship. It doesn't always work though. It and it, and that's frustrating. That's frustrating for a you know a thirteen year old well, or a fifteen year old or a thirty nine year old. The thing me. that that Locke points out specifically, he points this out all the time. He says, "Dad, you would never have let me do that. You would never have let me watch that. You would oh, ne- oh. you would have never let me be on screens that much." Or you know, uh, <laughs> and it's true, right? Oh yeah. And so, but the funny thing is, is just the other day, this is actually this is another uh, story from our trip in Palm Springs. I thought you were going to say another lie. We were sitting there, the three of us. Uh, Jesse was uh, shopping, and we were waiting to get into a restaurant. We were. I had the little buzzy thing that was going to ring, and we were mm-hmm, going to go to this mm-hmm, restaurant. And mm-hmm. we were sitting at this table together outside. Quality time. And um, with Dad, I'm. I uh, I got to say I was on my phone at the time, uh, checking something important. You know, probably related to either at Red MC on Twitter or at Red MC on Instagram. Shout out to both. Um, you know, just keeping up with the social media streams and uh, not fathering my children. <laughs> and so my kids are talking to each other, and you know, if I just want to let if it <laughs> if it defeats them to a fraction of the level that it defeats me every time you bring it up. Yeah, I don't shout out I'm, I'm, I don't shout out my Twitter and my Instagram in front of my children. I just go passers on passers yeah, yeah. I just ignore my children and go on social media mm-hmm. from time to time. Mm-hmm. Now, but what I was doing was uh, not currently engaging in fatherhood and my kids were talking to each other and Shepard was saying a series of things to Locke that were just they they get into these fights and they're both boys and um they were completely joking with each other, but Shepard was saying things like, I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna bite your face off, I'm gonna put your head into a blender. Like all, like a series of things, and it was just like, uh, you know, you, this is, I mean, you may think that's crazy, but. I'm gonna torture and mutilate you <laughs> in these very specific ways. And he said this. What's your retort? He said this series of things, and I didn't hear any of them. And then Locke says, Shepard, I'm gonna kill you. And I was like, Locke! <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk to your brother like that. And he was like, Dad, that was a test. We were testing you because I knew you wouldn't say anything when Shepard said all that. And as soon as I said something, you would say, Look, and you did it. <laughs> I got you. And I was like, I, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I was like, I, I guess it's would just. Would you mind if I tweeted about it? And I told him, I said, I, I did not hear. I honestly did. It, nothing that Shepard said c- c- uh, ever computed. I hear. It just went. I didn't hear it at all, I didn't process it, but when you said that, and so he was making the point that you have a different standard for me, and I was like, you're right, I do, and that's wrong, and I will continue to work on that. But you could have said, well, at least I hear you. I don't hear the younger one. <laughs> uh, so they weren't even serious. But you know, it's so, but it just, it's kind, that's kind of related, it's just you do approach things differently with the second child, and I'm sure it screws them up a little bit. It screws up the older kid and it screws up the younger kid. But you know what? They just get older and they say things like, I'm a younger child. They just tell people that like when they go on dates and everything's all right. That's my theory. (laughs) Good luck with that. (laughs) Amber H asks, I have three boys who are similar in age to your kids, 11, 14, and 15 and a half, okay? I constantly think about their future and how I will have to adjust to life without them at home as much as I worry about whether they are going to be ready to go off to college and do it on their own. My husband doesn't seem to give it a second thought and Mm. is just enjoying the time with them now. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy them now too, but differently than he does. How are the two of you coping with your kids growing up 
and how do you think it differs from the way it affects your wives? Mm. Well, I think I just demonstrated it a second ago. Um, I, I don't wanna generalize between. But you're about to. Um, like moms and dads, but I mean, from my experience, I, I, I will say that we definitely share your experience in our house that um, Christy, I mean, she seems to have this like instinctual connection with the worst case scenario. Now, that that's part of her personality profile in general. Um, so I don't think it's all about being a mom, but she, she cause she has the, that, that gift mm -hmm. to like see the worst future and therefore, and thereby avoid it to the benefit of our entire family. Right. But it does, but maybe there's a mom component to it too that me is, it makes me feel, it would make me feel better if I knew that biologically there was a mom thing that as a dad, I just, I just can't, I just not capable of worrying about it that much. But I do find that to be true just in, in practice that like, you know, she's thinking, she's, you know, I, you know, I have to decide to think about the future. Now, so I am curious for you because you're more of a, you're very future minded and I'm very like, not that. So between me and Christy, it's like she does question, like, I was like, don't, don't question whether I love the kids just because I don't worry about them nearly as much as you do, because I, yeah. I believe that I do. Um, but how, how, how do you think that is for you? I mean, what's the dynamic with you and Jesse in well, this way? This is, I mean, this is a complex question, and I'm, yeah. not, and I'm not interested in uh, digging any holes uh, for us by, by saying the wrong thing. Um, because you do get in trouble when you start making generalizations about men and women and how they uh, relate to kids. Um, and, right. there, and there are exceptions to everything. I do think that there are s some very significant cultural components that contributed to the way that we see our role as fathers and uh, our wives see their role as mothers. Yeah. Uh, that contributed to kind of the way that we've gone about our family business. Uh, I also think there's probably some biological factors that are that are real, and I think that um, I'm not an expert on that, and I'm not trying to, you know, come to any conclusions about that. But what I will say is that in our two families, I think both our wives tend to be more anxious about things related to the kids, mm -hmm. um, and so if you look at, especially, I don't think this is as common as it was, say you know, five years ago, 10 years ago with our wives, but if you were to just look at my wife's bedside table and all the books that she's right. reading, yeah, you know, nine out of 10, 10 years ago, nine out of 10 of those books would have been solely related to child rearing. Pa and parenting. Parenting and uh, everything related to their kids. And I, you know, I probably read half of one book about parenting. Me too. And I think some of it can be related to, you know, me and you probably have a tendency to just be like, ah, we'll figure it out as we go. Well, what is that book really gonna teach us or whatever? But at the same time, I was reading books about a lot of other things. So I think part of it was just pure selfishness of just wanting to be into the things that I was into. And also- And a comfort level that she was taking care of it. And, and we would certainly talk about it. Because our primary job was to go and be entertainers. Well, and, and, our, and our wife's primary job yeah. Uh, has been to raise our kids, uh, well, which to, is which to is teach not... the kids because we were doing the homeschool thing yeah, for yeah. years. So right. it was it was literally that was their their occupation right up until mm, a year and a half ago. Right. So 
um, whenever I would say things like, well, you know what, we, we're doing the right things and you're doing an amazing job. Um, don't, don't worry, I'm trying to reassure her. It's like, well, yeah, but, and, and if something, if, if there's something, an indication that something, they didn't make a right decision or they don't know something that maybe there's an indication they should have known or made another decision. It's like, well, it was hard for Christy not to take that personally because it was, she was their teacher. She was their primary teacher. Yeah. You know, so it, it was an extremely challenging position to be in. Well, and I would say that for, for them, and and even if, uh, and even if there are significant biological factors that contribute to this different perspective, that doesn't excuse our behavior in no. the way that we did it. You know, because I mean, first of all, you know, we have a tendency to want to eat very sugary, fatty things because. It, Many many years ago, when we didn't have processed foods, if you found something that had a lot of fat or had a lot of sugar, you had every, it up. you had every in, incentive uh, based to eat it based you know based on survival. So just because something is it, it, it has a biological component doesn't mean that it it should dictate your behavior. It can be something to overcome, which I think that because uh, because you know one of the things we talk about this with our wives quite a bit. It's like they made some big sacrifices. You know, they both got college degrees. Um, and then put the bulk of their 20s and, and, and 30s into teaching our children. Uh, and it was incredibly, uh, it's been incredible for our family, but they had to put, like we get to, we get to come in here and you know do all the stuff that we do and have all the fun that we do and pursue these dreams while they're doing that. Yeah, and I, I think at one point it may have been referred to uh, in a heated argument as the mythical castle. You get to go to your mythical castle. Oh, she called it the castle? She did, yeah. Wow. She, you get to go off to your she's mythical never, she's castle. She's never said that to me, your well, wife or my wife. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, she was making a good point. Yeah. You know, um, I, I've already alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast, how spoiled we are. But I, you know, the good news is, is even just in the, well first, first of all, one of the cool things that's happening with the kids being in school is that our wives are now able to ask those questions and have that time. Uh, and it is, it, it, as they begin to figure out how they're gonna be uh, investing their time in their dreams, it is going to impact us in the amount of time that we have to worry about the kids. Now. Well, hopefully not. Our, <laughs> but <laughs> but I mean, but we did kind of dodge a bullet in a sense because our kids are gonna be, it won't be long and our kids are gonna be out of the house. Uh, it's going to be like that, and they're going to be they're going to be out of the house. But I think that it, that this is a question that, especially if you are, I mean, and for Amber, she's got kids that are about our age, so she's kind of in the same boat. It's like, well, in a lot of ways, that that dynamic's probably not going to change significantly. But I think that if you're you're young, you're 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 just getting married, and you're thinking about having kids, I do think that if I could go back, I would think about these things differently, and not just fall into this. Well, I'm going to just go do this. Uh, I think I could have been uh, more considerate and more involved and, and more uh, attentive to these things, even if even if nothing changed about the dynamics of how much time I was gonna be there. Um, I think I did say, look at all these books, she's doing all this thinking about this. I, 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 I'm just gonna support her by continuing to go over here and make money. I think there's a better way to do that, which is, yeah, let's go over here and make money for the family, but let's also find ways to be personally involved in this in this process. To I can read another book; it's not that hard to do, you know. Well, and 
we may be projecting a little bit of our, both of our experiences on Amber's situation, which was, it could be different. Just because he doesn't worry as much as she does, again, that worry is a big component of personality It could be personality. Type. So, I think it's less of, I mean, if you have the gift of not being burdened with worrying about a certain thing, that, that that's a totally different variable than how much do you love it. You know, if you gotta look at like an investment of time, an investment of energy and, right. you know, thought, effort, it's a different thing and yeah. you know, so. I think ultimately what we're saying, Amber, is good luck with that. Liz Ackham, what was the best trip your parents took you on as a kid and do you want to take your kids back to that place? My parents took me and my sisters to museums all the time and I'm glad for it. I would definitely take my kids to museums all the time if my husband and I had kids. I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't go to a lot of places as a kid. I remember that my mom took, well, uh, when, when, when she and Jimmy were still married, uh, we went we went to Disney World when I was very young. I don't remember it. I was like four, and I just there's pictures of me crying. <laughs> um, but when I was older, we went to Bush Gardens, and we have pictures of that. Pictures of you crying there? Or are you happy there? I I was kind of happy. Kind of kind of happy. But then um, I remember later, Mom took me and you to King's Dominion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have pictures. There's a picture. Us standing in front of her car uh, in the Book of Mythicality. That was where the in front of the hotel we stayed at. Yeah, on the car. Yeah, we're leaning against the car. Cool guys. Cool guys. That's yeah. what I think of when I think about those guys. Cool guys. Short shorts, long socks. Cool haven't guys. haven't taken my kids back to King's Dominion, but we have been to like Disneyland. You, I, this is a great question because uh, I've never thought about this before, but. I tend to think of my childhood uh, as a series of tentpole events, right? I yeah. think that you typically, you, you have very specific memories uh, about the environment that you were in most, so you can kind of picture your, your childhood home. But when you think about your parents and the experiences with them, at least for me personally, a lot of times it's things like, I remember my dad taking me and my brother to Raven Rock, you know, west of, uh, Lillington, North Carolina, there's a state park, Raven Rock State Park that uh, the Cape Fear goes through, the Cape Fear River. It's a huge rock that the Native Americans would, they would camp underneath the ledge. Yeah, it's, okay, a, it's, it's like amazing. 100 feet. It's super cool. And I recently thought to myself, I wonder how many times we actually went there. I bet you we went there so fewer times than I actually think because it stands so big in my memory as something that we would do. I also remember even earlier than that, when we lived in Thousand Oaks, California, not too far from here, uh, my dad would take us uh, hiking on Tarantula Hill. Oh. I remember this Tarantula Hill, never saw a tarantula there, don't know why it was called that, and it really was just a hill. It was just a big mound of you know earth that you kind of walked up, and it, was, it definitely wasn't a mile of, of just kind of walking around and getting to the top and coming back down. It's funny, and I have a, just a, a buttload of those kinds of memories that are very much like taking me out of my normal environment and taking me to a place and doing something with me. Some of it was vacations, going to the beach or going to the Grand Canyon, whatever. But I feel like 
that's what kind of makes a, a child's memories. So the way that I've sort of processed that and applied it to my kids is, I've tried to do that. Like mm-hmm. I try to do these trips. You know, we try to take our kids places. Um, we try to travel with our kids. Like uh, Locke got to go to Africa with Jesse last year. I, did, I wasn't able to go, but like that's something he'll never forget. That because it was so outside of the box of normal life. Sure. But specifically in answer to this question, I drove to Thousand Oaks less than a year ago. Uh, with Jesse and Shepard, Locke was, oh no, what it was is we dropped Locke off at a basketball camp out there. And then I was like, let's go by the old house, the old house I grew up in. If you if you watched our videos for a long time, you know that Link and I actually went to my old house one time in Thousand yeah. Oaks and the man did not want to speak with us. <laughs> but we went by the old house. But and, the neighbor did and the na- your neighbor was still there. Yeah, and this time I did not speak to uh, the neighbor or the current resident. But I was like, I did some things like, how far we were, were we from school? Because we used to walk to school and I was like five years old and like I'd walk with my brother. And Kindergarten, like, yeah. It was uh, one mile from, from the Weathersfield School, you know? And then I was like, oh, Tarantula Hill. I remember Tarantula Hill, this place. So we, it was like a mile away from the house and we oh, drove you went up there? to it. And we didn't get out and walk around. I wasn't that cool of a dad because we needed to be somewhere. But I just like saw this mound of dirt I mean, it's it's more than it's it's just a grassy hill, but there's nothing to it, and I was like, that th- meant so much to me, because my dad would just take us up there and we just walk around and then come back down, but yeah. like just doing that kind of thing, that's what that's what my childhood is made, you, made of. If you had screens back then, man, ooh, you're not gonna make those kinds you of memories. Have been on the hill, huh? you're not gonna make those kinds of memories by beating Zelda. I'm trying to tell Shepard that, but it's not having much of an effect. Anyway, so. Yes, I have taken the kids to some of those places, but yeah, I think that creating those kinds of experiences because my my parents did that with me is something that I've tried to then do do with the kids and you know. Yeah, create Ma- create the memories. Every weekend you try to do something. I mean, we like That's why see, you got the RV, man. We like to see a good movie, but that's why I'm like, yeah, this RV. It's they're like, never going to forget that RV. They're not going to forget that RV. You know, even if you never do it again. They're, they're, that RV trip to the Grand Canyon is going to be this huge tentpole memory. Like when they're like, what's some of the stuff you did with your dad growing up? Well, one time he got this RV, we went to the Grand Canyon, I mean he couldn't even get out of the driveway. <laughs> You're right. I mean he had to build a land bridge. Exactly, I mean you make, yeah, yeah, we try to make decisions. I mean I was joking last week that, you know, it, it it's great to know that even in, if it goes sideways, that it's, I can make it an entertainment and talk about it with you guys. But I mean, I hope you knew, and I, I was definitely thinking, it's like I was creating this as a family experience that then added benefit is it gives us something to talk about here, but. Um, Turn a mistake into a story. Let's end on, the, on, this, on this doozy of a question. Mm. Harriet asks, I'm not a parent, but this is a question coming from the lack of discussion on this topic in my household from my parents. How do you talk to your children about the birds and the bees? What does that mean? Well, first of all, you know, my approach was informed by my experience as a child. And you know, when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13, I guess, my mom who worked at the Harnett County Health Department, I think I've told this story before, but it always is worth telling again so that anyone can learn from it. Um, 
at the front of the Harney County Health Department, there were all types of brochures about all types of health things yeah. that you would need to learn about. Every STD you can imagine. And so um, one day my mom comes home with a brochure and she hand it, hands it to me and she says, here's a brochure. I, I know want, how much you love them. <laughs> I just want you to, I just want you to look through it and if you have any questions, you know you can ask me anything. I took the brochure. Now when she said that, did you have any idea, was, did you think it was gonna be like a visit Montana brochure? Like what kind, did you, what kind of brochure, did you think it was medical? Did you know? Were you familiar with the brochures in general? Well the, the picture on the front was very graphic. Oh, could, describe it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I wanted a mental picture. Uh, I, I don't recall. Um, I do have to imagine, knowing myself at the time, that the moment I was handed the brochure, I was just seized with with fear and awkwardness. Deep embarrassment. Not embarrassment, really, as much, well, maybe. And then I was like, okay, and then I took it back to my room, and then I walked in my room, and then I walked into my closet, I grabbed a flashlight. Wow, we're very, I, very I private. Sat, I sat down in the closet with the door closed with a flashlight. It's like I'm you're like, hiding from a home intruder. I'm like, I'm like a 12 year old kid. I mean, you're, it's like. You're in the safe room. And I'm like, I'm like reading this thing and like even if, even if somebody comes in, they won't see me. They'll just like, why are you in the closet? And somebody being your mom? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, even though she told you to read the brochure. <laughs> right. What are you doing in there? I, I'm reading the brochure you just asked me to. I'm sorry. I didn't. Um, I, I'm. I'm pretty sure I never had any follow-up questions for my mom. Uh, yeah, and she knew that when she gave you the brochure that you were not going to come to her with questions. Right. I maybe it's. I would call it more of a pamphlet or even a booklet. How many, had, how many pages? It had leaves in, in it. How many pages? I mean, it was it for someone of your age. It was. It was like this big. It was like. So what's that? Seven inches by five inches. Yeah, don't don't start giving seven inch, <laughs> seven inch measurements in this context. So it wasn't like a tourism brochure. Visit sex, <laughs> sex town USA. <laughs> Strap in. No, so, sorry. <laughs> um, um, did you learn anything? Oh yeah. So so did you? It think wasn't it, too late for me. Uh, I at, hadn't already learned it. You're not real good with uh, numbers, so. Do you really think you were 12, 13? Like, is that how old you think you were? And was this new information to you? Did, I don't, was I, this all I, new? I can't imagine that I was 11. Okay, and was it all new? Did you have any idea about the, the, it's, it's, the it's tools hard. involved and? I, I mean, I, I, I had an idea, you know. But it was but a the, misinformed but idea. But the specific mechanics of it um, mm -hmm. was, um, was it was eye opening, and it was yeah. so it was line drawing, it was sketches. Yeah. Well, so I mean, because I, I remember, and one of the differences between me and you is that uh, I was thinking about these things earlier than you were. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, I did not have any clear picture of them. Literally, I didn't have a picture. I didn't get a brochure from my parents, so I was kind of. But you had an older brother. Yeah, and that scene. I think that's. He, the cliche. Uh, he didn't, we didn't talk about it. I think we were maybe a little too close in eight, I don't know, like three years apart. I don't know exactly why, but uh -huh. he didn't talk to me about it. It was more picking things up from other kids our age. But you were interested, you were like looking for clues. Oh yeah. 
and I he was sleuthing. I remember piecing things together in middle school and kind of putting it all together and understanding exactly what was involved. But it was more of a just you know a, a, a occasional casual reconnaissance mission, just gathering you know intel from different people and putting it together. Uh-huh. Um, but I did not, and I could be wrong about this, but I do not remember having a specific, there may have been like a very early talk at some point before I was really processing and understanding all the things involved for my parents, but I do not remember that. Um, and I also think it was very much a generational thing. I, I Everybody I know who's our age, when I ask them, did you get a talk from your parents? It's either, yes, it was very brief, and or no, I didn't get one. It was, it, it, but it wasn't this it like it was over before I knew it, much like the act itself. It, it was it was some it was passive in some manner, like here's a brochure, go in the closet and read it. And again, I don't bl- who who knows what we're doing to screw the next generation up right now. But that was kind of what our parents did. You just didn't talk about those things typically. But you didn't you don't you, but you don't recall a, any sort of pamphlet. No or pamphlets. A book. We we didn't really believe in pamphlets in general in my family. But you but never saw one in the house. But so you don't recall the talk either, though. No, I do not. And, and have you asked them about it? Like, do they recall it? Oh, because I understand it now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But you I don't never, go. To, I don't go to my parents to to get this kind of information now. You, you didn't. You, no, but you we, haven't asked. We them. we've never talked about it. Uh, hey, mom, tell me about the time you told me about sex because I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how I bring it up. <laughs> But let's talk about how we have then, uh, well you were about to explain well, I'll, I'll just say how you've done it based on your experience. For me because, you know, I like to just, I, I've always made it a point because to counteract my experience with my mom that like we didn't, we didn't talk through a lot of things. I mean, it's just, it's just that's just how it was. Um, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be more open and have more honest conversations and from an earlier age. And so And I there think that's, be, that's there, also generational. There wouldn't be an instinctive I just didn't want to give my kids an instinctive an instinct when they got some sort of information like I did that they had to go hide. Because I I don't it that just doesn't strike me as a healthy response, um, a healthy way to view sex is that it's something that's um, it's clandestine, you know, or mm-hmm. automatically dirty, or something to be ashamed of, right. or something to be um, secretive about. I mean, it's in the proper. With a proper understanding, I mean, it's 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 totally normal. <laughs> I mean, it's and it's important. Yeah, and and it's important to gain a proper understanding of sex in the in the in the context of conversations with people that you trust and that you love, and that it's, it can be a safe place to understand. And also, over time, because it's not just one talk. Yeah, and so, I don't so, think that it's just a, you know, I think a lot of people may put this off on, you know, a, a teacher or a professional that's teaching sex ed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's fine and potentially great. And I do think that sex education uh, at school is it's something I believe in, I think is important because not all parents are going to 
do this, but. It's extremely difficult to do. But I think that, at least in the circles that we run in now, and again, I think this is slightly cultural, but also generational, it's like we don't have, there's nobody that we hang out with who has kids who hasn't had the, it's like, we talk to other parents about the talk. Like we've all talked about the talk that we had. Right, we it's compare like, well, notes. When did you talk about it? What did you say? Right. Um, and I also think it depends on the kid because I'm not gonna name my kids' names at this point because you know I, I've only got two, <laughs> so I don't. I, I'm not trying to embarrass them. So, but one of my kids was much more inquisitive uh, uh, about it. Uh, was asking a lot of very pointed questions about the process and not accepting uh, Pat answers that tried to oversimplify things. You got Pat involved? Nope, no Pat was not involved. You can uh, pay a person named Pat to come in and that is, that is give one your kids a sex talk. But that is not what I did. And then my and my other kid uh, was not so inquisitive in asking all these questions. But for the kid who was asking the questions, uh, I sat down and had a talk where I explained everything, basically everything in very technical details and continued to confirm. I was almost like when you were explaining the stuff about the RV, I was like, got it? I kept saying, got it, and then I would ask questions to make sure that he understood. Um, and it's really, I, I think a good practice is, the, the thing that I did was you wanna, you wanna see what, where their minds are with their follow-up questions so that you can answer those as opposed to just giving an information dump and overwhelming them, and then it's like it may be too much too soon. Yeah. So it's more again, it's it's, it's the it's, beginning of a conversation. It's, it's it's multiple conversations, and it comes in installments. And it still happens, right? So I, I think that's the right. other thing is that, and again, kids get to a certain age um, when they start when the, when it becomes real. So like it's before they go through puberty, kids. Uh, this is all very theoretical, but as they begin to go through puberty and as they pass through puberty it becomes very real to them and they're like, oh, all the stuff, all that stuff that dad and mom told me is now I can, I understand it because it's happening to me in my body. Mm -hmm. And at that point. And, and that's a good point, is that you're talking about those things too. You're talking about puberty, you're talking about your body changing. You're having a lot of potentially awkward conversations and it's not just all about sex, well, but reproduction. What, exactly, but what I'm saying is that once it becomes personal to them, most kids, then have a tendency to withdraw a little bit and be like, I, th this conversation yeah. needs to stop because this is not, this is no longer theoretical, this is personal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think at that point, you kind of have to keep going back there and you have to be, I mean sometimes, and this doesn't happen to do, this isn't just limited to talking about sex, it could be anything that's potentially uncomfortable or not cool to talk to your parents about. I just say, listen, we're that's not gonna be a dynamic in our family. I'm not, you're not gonna be too cool or too awkward to talk to me about that. I've only got you for a few years and we're going to talk about anything and everything and we're gonna break right through the awkwardness. I, I have to say that sometimes so that then we could then have the conversation. But as much as from earlier, you know I like to fib a little bit. When it comes to this stuff, I don't, I don't, I don't joke around. I mean, I joke around, I make jokes, but I don't, all the information that I give is intended to be as helpful and as true as possible. But it is, I mean, but that first conversation was so funny that I, re I recorded the entire thing. I have the- Now I know that you did that, but even when you tell it to me again, I still feel a wave of shock come over yeah, yeah. me that you bugged your yeah. sex talk. It was, 
and I actually, what happened is I, I like said one thing. Cause you know what you're supposed to do. His response was so funny. I was like, I gotta record this. What you? So you pulled your phone I, out. I pulled out the the memo recorder, the voice recorder on the iPhone, and I just turned it on, and um, and then proceeded to have the talk. And but did you say this conversation is being recorded for uh, quality assurance purposes? I think at one point he said, "Dad, are you recording this?" And I was like, "Yeah, maybe. You know, don't worry about it. We'll play it at your rehearsal dinner. You know, that kind of thing." Do you, where do you have it now? Uh. Well, you know, I I uh, I, I released, you, released it as an album. Have you saved it? Um, uh, yeah, I got you it. You sure you got it? It's in the voice. It's in voice memos. Are you gonna play it at the rehearsal dinner right now? I'm gonna play it for him again and be like, "Hey, you want me to edit this thing into something funny and we'll play it at your rehearsal dinner?" <laughs> I mean, because I got it. I think it'd be hilarious. I think it'll be like the best wedding ever. I might play it at the ceremony again, but it will all be with permission. Wow. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm, I mean, I know a channel you could upload it to, and I wouldn't be opposed to it being there. What with a pre-roll ad? A channel? This channel? Like a YouTube channel <laughs> with a pre-roll ad? Yeah, that's not gonna mid-roll happen. Mid-roll ad. So, uh, and at times, I, I mean, it. I, I mean, I'm sure people are like, "Why did you do that?" Well, it's, I, it's private. No one, no one has ever listened to it. In fact, I've never listened back to it. It's just I have it. Okay, um, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's something that we continue to talk about, and, uh, and it it is interesting. It's almost a this is a reminder to me that like you kind of have to have a discipline to continue to talk about it. I mean, um, but because like you said, there's a tendency to withdraw at at a certain age, and yeah. it and it's our role to continue to say, hey, this is this is a this is an important and normal. Conversation. I mean, the first conversation that that we had, um, it was a it was a general one with the two older kids. So like, Lincoln was younger, and it was just like, and it was like, I don't know if he's a little too young, but we're having a very general version of the conversation. So we didn't get into this and that many specifics, right? Just to kind of break the ice about it, and um. It was, but it, but it ended up being a, 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 you know, trying to find the right words and you know keep your face in, in a way that seems like, hey, this is a normal conversation. This is, I, I look. This is what my face looks like when we're talking about anything at the dinner table because we were at the dinner table. This is not my sex face. Yeah, or my sex. Oh, God, what? <laughs> this is not my sex. This is not my sex talk face, <laughs> and definitely Neither. not my sex face. <laughs> <laughs> you you know what I mean. My sex discussion I face. <laughs> Sorry, I should have clarified. Um, and so we had this. You know, we were like, Chrissy and I. We were we were talking about it, and we were like trying trying to keep our cool and trying to be matter of fact about it in order to send the right signals that hey, this is this is normal or whatever. And we did a great job. Felt really <laughs> good about it. And but there wasn't much reciprocation, reci retort, or engagement. So the first, the first follow up, and again I won't say who it was. It was just like there was like a moment of silence. It was like okay, we're gonna let you process, and then it was first thing that was said was awkward. 
awkward. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Pretty awesome. Yeah, but that's great. And you know being what? That, to, that's fine. And I say, well, you know, you know, being it, able to it, vocalize that awkwardness is great. It does feel great. a little awkward. And you know but what? Think that about, is fine. But think about if you hadn't have said it, right? And the awkwardness that could result from it. I, again, I, and I'm not. Listen, I don't know if we're doing a good job at it. It's, but the because there are certain things that begin to happen at certain ages, and like, I mean, the way you interact with your kid. Like the way you show affection to your kid changes. Like the way I show affection to, Sh- to Shepard is different than the way I show affection to Locke because it's a nine year old and a 14 year old. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and I remember that with my parents. Like at some point, it was like, I don't kid. Like I remember like four or five years old, I was like, I go, I would go up to like my mom, my dad, and then my grandma and like kiss everybody on the lips before I went to bed. I think that's kind of a Southern thing to do that. Yeah. Just like, like peck everybody on the lips. <laughs> And uh, and then at some point, well, at some point that you should probably stop doing that, right? <laughs> and, and 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 I did. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because there, once something stops, it's really difficult to get it back. So hmm. once you no longer say a certain thing, or once you no longer, you, once you no longer say "I love you," which we still say "I love you" quite a bit in my family, but. You know, you might stop saying that at some point, and it's very difficult to get it back. And if you once you quit talking about sex, it's very difficult to start talking about sex again. And then you're just kind of like, um, maybe it'll just, it'll just work itself out. Uh, they'll figure it out. They got friends. Trust me, their friends have no clue. Well, you do have a. As humans, we do have a way of figuring it out. It does kind of. Yep. You know, you don't have to be told, but it could that could. It could it could lead to negative repercussions. It could come with certain consequences, and there's no guarantee that our kids, your kids, won't uh, will escape those consequences, regardless of how much you talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was remarkably lucky, even though I didn't have a candid conversation with my parents. Um, so, all that to say, to Harriet, uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're trying to talk about it very intentionally and not have it just be one conversation but have it be an ongoing conversation. And uh, we'll, we'll report back. Which, which brings us to next week's conversation when we talk at you again. It will be exclusively about how babies are made. Yeah. Um, we'll have, we'll, we'll s- have our sex faces on the whole time. And I will, and I will, bring, I will bring my pamphlet. You still got it probably. And I'll. I have it on me. Yeah, it's in my. It's you in keep my it in your pocket. wallet. It, yeah, it's, it's just for, you never you know when you it. need it for reference. Right. Just to, you know, what which what's step one? I if I get confused. <laughs> what is step one? <laughs> <laughs> Next week, Rhett, I'll okay. let you know what's step one. So you can count uh, on us to be here. Thanks for listening. Uh, always, we value a hashtag ear biscuits feedback and conversation, as well as an iTunes review. I mean, who are we kidding here? Yeah, do that too. If you're, I would love to see you do that. Yeah, send us pictures of you doing that. Good luck with that.